0: Classes Missions. Glad you could make it tonight. Brother Sonny Talbert texted me while I was driving in and wanted to know how the weather was. And uh, I told him it was just fine. He said, well, you know, the news is saying Houston getting hit hard. You know how them guys exaggerate It is raining, and they're going to be some little bit flooding, but it's really not. To be in the middle of a hurricane path, I think we're pretty good shape. Really, yeah. tropical storm, whatever they're calling this All right, let's have a word of prayer. Thank God for letting us get here safely tonight, Father. We do appreciate you letting us get here to the house of God safely tonight, Lord. We uh, pray that you would protect us uh, on the way home, and I pray, Father, that you would give us a good class, and, Father, Lord, that you would speak to people's hearts. I pray the Holy Ghost would uh, move and stir and speak in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Romans chapter 10. And verse number 13. And how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? He he said in verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they going to call? They don't believe, and how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's why you got to have a missionary. Missionary has got to be called. He's got to have faith. He's got to be willing to go. He's got to preach when he gets there and not just be a social worker right got to be a preacher Amen. so the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church that means the church is supposed to be on the offensive and hell is supposed to be on the defensive gates are to keep the enemy out. Hell has gates. Obviously, it's a lot not to let people in. They can drop right off into hell, gate or no gate. But it does give the uh, idea of hell is to be attacked by the church and by the preaching of the Word of God. And every church that makes missions its priority will be in a battle. To keep going forward with a missions program in a church, every little problem will come up in the church and if the devil can get in it, he'll turn a little problem into a big problem. Most problems that people get out of church over would be no big deal if everybody would just ignore it. Just ignore it. Well, preacher, did you know what so and do? No, I probably don't. But that's their problem. It's not my problem. And it only becomes my problem when they live in dirty and not even embarrassed about it. Flaunting it, if you will. That's when it becomes my yeah. problem. As long as they're trying to hide it, it's not really my problem. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's good to hide it. But it's better to hide it than to flaunt it. Yeah, sure. You well, know, they you think that makes them a hypocrite? They're already hypocrites. They're living dirty. So, no, it won't make them a hypocrite. They already are one. Missions will attract the attention of the forces of hell. And churches will be under attack. Homes will be under attack. Preachers will be under attack. Children will be under attack. Everybody gets under attack when a church says, let's get the gospel to the regions beyond so people can get saved. So he said, uh, How shall they hear without a preacher, and how shall they preach except they be sent? Who's going to send them? We're going to try to answer that question tonight. As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It is just a truth in the Word of God that if you don't have much faith, what you need is to hear more of the Word of God. The more of it you hear, the more your faith will increase. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? Now, I want to go to Acts chapter number 13, where the Apostle Paul, who was Saul at that time, was actually called and sent to go into all the world and preach the gospel It's still an amazing thing to me. That one man covered so much ground Amen. in his lifetime. Amen. Probably the reason he didn't, probably the reason he had to make tents was because when they said, "Paul, where are you a missionary to?" He said, "Everybody." Amen. Well, yeah, but what field has God called you to? The world. If you tell somebody that nowadays, they think you're just scatterbrained. Paul believed it. He did it. He set the example, and he started churches all over the place. I'm still amazed that with limited communication and limited transportation, he was able to cover so much ground in his lifetime. We really ought to be ashamed. Of ourselves. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This word "sent." How shall they preach except they be sent? Chapter thirteen, verse one, Book of Acts. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger. And Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Now, why were these men, why were these teachers and prophets in Antioch? Because Jerusalem was the church where the Holy Ghost came, people started getting saved, preachers started getting called, missionaries started getting called. But the missionaries didn't go out. God had told them in Acts one eight, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. You shall receive power after you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You shall preach both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But things were going so good in Jerusalem, nobody would believe. So, for seven chapters, they just enjoyed the blessings. They had the manpower in Jerusalem. They had the money. People were selling their houses and lands and bringing them down there and putting the money at the apostles' feet. They said, just send them out, send them out, send them out, send them out. Let's go. Let's let's, let's knock every door in Jerusalem. So they were knocking the doors. People were getting saved. Getting baptized by the thousand. Church was booming, growing, excited. They had the manpower. They had the money. They had miracles being performed. The crippled man, rise up and walk. So nobody wanted to leave. That's when you leave. When everybody's on fire. Right. You don't wait until everybody cools off and say, right. Hey, they kind of cool go on, around here. I think I'm going to move on somewhere else. No. No. You leave while it's on fire. While you got some zeal. While you're excited about it. While you believe God still saves people. Yes, sir. They've got to be be sinned. Notice in verse 1 there of Acts 13 that these men had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Now why is the Bible putting those two men together? Because they both hated Christians and wanted to kill them. Both of them, Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Saul was gathering up every believer he could and putting them in prison, breathing out threatenings and slaughter. So what God did, since they would not go into the uttermost like He told them to do, He turned loose Herod the Tetrarch and Saul of Tarsus on the people, and the people started scattering. So you go from Acts 1-8, being filled, being told to go, to Acts 8-1, which is how long it took them to get started. 1-8, they were told to go. 8-1, Saul was consenting unto his, Stephen's death, And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Why did God send the persecution? Because they wouldn't leave. They didn't want to go. Quickest way to get in trouble in the church is just sit there and get comfortable. God will send somebody to shake things up. And the church will think it's the worst thing that's ever happened to the church. But it was God's idea to shake it up. Because everybody just getting too comfortable. They got a good job. They got got money in the bank. They got a nice car. They got a nice home. Their children are in a good school. Everything's just going great. That's when trouble is going to come. It's hard for people who are comfortable and content to take risks. Why take a risk? Everything's going great. So, it said they were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. That's who should have been leading the charge. But even when God starts scattering people, the guys who really should have been going leading the way, still feel like they need to be in the whole church. So, 13.1 says they have these men, these prophets and teachers that had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. In other words, they would already Learn to do some suffering and endure some hardship. And they were still on track wanting to do something for God. One of the problems with missions nowadays is sending young men fresh out of Bible school straight to a mission field and they've never endured any hardness. Same way with pastor in the church. You get a man who's endured hardness and then he retires and a young guy comes in right out of Bible school somewhere and he hadn't endured anything yet except, you know, maybe staying up all night to study for a test. But no hardness. Then when they get thrust into the limelight of the pulpit, if you will, they just want to soak up the glory. And when they find out that's not what it's all about, they don't know what to do. Except run from the trouble. Go find a church that doesn't have all that trouble. The whole purpose of having the pastor is so somebody deals with the trouble. Somebody has to deal with the trouble. Here am I. Send me. I'll deal with the trouble. Verse 2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, Notice that uh, these people in verse 1 were in the church. They weren't just at church, they were in. Brother Wood used to preach that a lot. Just get in. Just get in. Get in and stay in. Are you in? Or do you just attend? There's a big difference. You know how you can tell. When God turns Herod to Tetrarch and Saul loose on the church. See who leaves. That's the ones that are not in. Yes, sir. The people that leave at the first sign of trouble, they were never in these men were in, they'd already faced the opposition, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. That's why we come to church. Is to minister not to each other, but to the Lord. If our goal is to minister to each other, There's going to be a lot of selfishness going on. If we'll come to church and kind of forget about each other and just minister to the Lord, now something will get done. It's got to be all about the Lord. It's not about us, it's about the Lord. He'll do the work if we'll minister to the Lord. They were ministering to the Lord, they were not trying to think of some new activity. To get people involved in, yeah, well, maybe we should have, uh, maybe we should have a picnic. I'm not against picnics. Maybe we should have this. Maybe we should have that. Maybe we should minister to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Well, that doesn't sound very fun, uh, but it'll be rewarding. Amen. What is ministry to the Lord? What is it? A minister is a servant. A minister is not to be exalted. Honor where honor is due. But he's not to be exalted. He's to be a servant. And being in the ministry demands that you be willing to that other people might not even want to do. Take the time, go to the trouble, to something that somebody just doesn't know what to do, and be there when they need you to be there, and do what needs to be done, and have a good spirit and a good attitude, not like you're making some great big sacrifice, but isn't great get to serve the Lord? Sister Elizabeth's sitting right here. She gets to Houston. Her car breaks down right off the bat. So she texts me, my car broke down. What do I do? Do you know a mechanic? Yeah, yeah, I know I know two mechanics. And I told her about it. And one of them was Brother Ricky Van Dyck. And the other one is a guy that I used in Tombaugh because he's just one block from my shopping in Tomball and I can take my car down there to him and then I can walk to work and he can fix my car while I'm working. So well, we got the car over there. Ricky worked on it, got it going. There two later, it broke down again. And... Uh, go do whatever needed to do to get it done. That's, that's what ministry is. She don't know anybody in Houston yet other than her family. She doesn't know what mechanic to take it to. Real easy to get ripped off in a big city in Ministering is serving. Helping people with the things that will discourage them and pull them down if they don't get some help. But unfortunately, most pastors nowadays don't have time to do such things. Right? To hear them tell it, they got to study and pray. But if you put a camera in their office, you'd find out they're on their computer. sending jokes to each other. The reason I know that is I'm always getting them. I get them from preachers all the time. Jokes on the Internet. The only one that sends me Bible is Brother Sonny Toddler. He'll send me something something from the Bible every day. Every single day, Brother Sonny Toddler sends me some verses of Scripture. Tells me he's praying for. I'm not against jokes. I can't even remember them. That's why I don't tell them. I get mixed up before I get to the end of it and ruin bunch my smile. They ministered to the Lord and fasted. That's another forgotten doctrine. Come on. Now I mentioned Brother Lester Roloff in the first class I taught in here. And how that he took a stand for standards and missions. Another thing Brother Olog believed in was fasting. You're getting pretty serious when you just push the plate away and say, not today. Yes, sir. And then when tomorrow comes around, not today either. Now mm. yeah, you're getting real serious. That third day, your flesh is going to start lying to you. You know what it's going to say? I gotta have it. I'm dying. <laughs> i got to have something to eat. I'm dying. i got to work, whatever. I can't work but don't eat. I'm getting a headache. (laughs) Unless you're a coffee faster, They ministered to the Lord and fasted. And guess what happened? The Holy Ghost started talking to them. Now I can get over into the next class real easy right here. Notice that he does... Speak. The Holy Ghost said Is that what the Bible says? Is that what your King James Bible says? The Holy Ghost said That tells us He's a person And that tells us He speaks And that tells us He can speak to people Now that tells us He can speak to you you can carry on a conversation with the Holy Ghost of God. He not only is talking, but they understand what he's saying. He was not talking to them in tongues. Amen. He said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. He's the one that called them. And He instructs the church to separate them. I don't understand why you preach all those convictions and all those rules. I don't understand why you preach all that. Well, because that's what God called me to do. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. To separate people. So they can do what God calls them to do. If they don't come out from rotten religion and be separate, they'll never do anything for God. And if they don't come out from the clutches of this world, they're never going to do anything for God. They'll never have one ounce of power to do anything for God if they don't come out from among the world and be separate. They've got to come out of rotten religion. They've got to come out of the world. They've got to be separate. They've got to be different. They've got to look different. They've got to dress different. They've got to talk different. They've got to think different. Amen. We are not like the world. Amen. Yes, sir. These churches that try to fill their buildings by being as close to the world as possible, they don't have enough, Brother Jack Wood would have said, enough power to blow the fuzz off of a peach. Furthermore, they don't even want that power. They want their own power of persuasion. They don't want the power of the Holy Ghost. Because that's a power they can't control. Again, I quote Brother Wood right there. He said, Most preachers will not have that which they cannot explain and that which they cannot control. Well, that eliminates the Holy Ghost. You can't always explain what He's doing. And you can't control what He's doing. He's God. But that's what people try to do. I've been in some independent Baptist churches, and everything is so organized to the nth degree, and everything is so detailed, and everything's got to be just like this, and just like this, and just like this, and just like this. I believe God walks by there and says, well, it looks like they got everything under control. He just yeah. boogies on down the road to find him a church that needs him. Right. God called them, and the church is going to separate them and send them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Who sent them? Church. The church did. Not only did the church send them, but verse four says so. They be sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Who else sent them? The Holy, Holy Ghost. Ghost did. The church sent them. The Holy Ghost sent them. A man that's sent by the church and sent by the Holy Ghost—he'll get the job done. Yes, sir. But if the church says, uh, you know, brother, you're a good guy. We just don't believe this is the Lord's will. I'm independent the Baptist. Nobody's going to tell me what God's will is for my life. Okay, help yourself. Go on. Dive off out there in Satan's territory, his stronghold, all by yourself and see how much you get done. You're going to need the church and you're going to need the Holy Ghost wherever you go to a mission field. You're going to need the Holy Ghost because He's got the power. You're going to need the church because they probably got the support. Financial and prayer support. And you're going to get on some mission field and all hell's going to be breaking loose. And you're going to be wondering what in the world is going on. And you're going to need a church that believes in praying for their missionaries. I I tip my hat to the ladies of the Shady Acres Baptist Church that have prayed for all these years for our missionaries. Filled out those cards and signed them, dated them, sent them to the missionaries. Yeah, Been doing it for the whole 25 years I've been here and I don't know how long before that. but for a long time. Now that group that prays regularly for those missionaries is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So you'll see the same signature over and over and over on those cards now. We need some fresh blood in that ladies' mission meeting to pray for the missionaries. They got it now where they can make copies of the prayer letters they got the cards where you can take a certain number of cards and you can go over them, pray over them, bring them back to church, trade them out for more cards. They've got it where you can get involved if you want to. You don't have to be there on Thursday morning at a certain time to participate. Just talk to somebody that goes and get involved praying for our missionaries regularly. They need the church and they need us to pray. If we'll pray, they probably survive without the money. But if they got the money and we don't pray, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. Another thing when it said the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. That tells me that the church was listening. They were listening to the Holy Ghost when He was talking. Yeah. Now that tells me there's a time to shout and there's a time to listen. Yes. The people that shout all the time they don't ever listen. The people that listen all the time they don't ever shout. You need to have a balance. Listen when it's time to listen shout when it's time to shout and have enough discernment to know the difference yeah. he said uh, he said there's a work work missions is work Well that eliminates most preachers. Most preachers think that's a dirty, four-letter word. Work. I've even started telling some guys when I go to preach a meeting. I say, hey, you got any stunts out here you need dug up while I'm here in this week? Uh, Dig up a stunt? No, I don't think so. Okay. I thought I'd ask. Right, well, what do you do? I, I explain to them what I do. I say, I figured, me, you could get out of here and get one out if you got one this week while I'm here. They are not the least bit interested. (laughs) Not the least bit are they interested in getting a shovel and working about six or eight hours with a shovel and an axe. They're not interested in that. You know what? And I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong on their part, but I'm going to say this. When a guy gets to where he don't want to work and is not going to work, the next thing he's going to do is get in trouble morally. God designed men to work. And if they don't work, they're going to want to play. When they start playing, they're going to get in trouble. The work. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work. It's about the work. Shady Acres Baptist Church is the work for us, Columbia is the work. From Brother Bolognese. It's the work. And whatever happens around here. The priority is. The will of God. And the work. Of God. I make decisions based on what I think is best for the world. I got several phone calls and texts today, you know, we're going to have Bible Institute class, and that's, you know, it's good to know. So how do I make that decision? Everybody wants to know, do I drive to the church, do I stay home, What, what, what do we do? And... I make those decisions best of what I believe is best for the work. Obviously, I try to take into account. All right, is it dangerous? But that's a hard way to determine because we're in Houston. It's dangerous whether it's raining or not. It might even be safer when it's raining. Maybe the vermin stays home. (laughs) But I did, uh, I got a good scouting report from Brother Nathan Cox. About 30 minutes before I was going to leave the house, I got a text from him, and he said, Antoine's flooded, North Houston Roslyn is not. That's all I needed. I came 249, North Houston, Roslyn, across the Little York. No problem getting here at all. But there's some high water on Antoine between here and 249. I think you can get through it. Unless some chicken decides to park in the middle of the road. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about how do you make decisions. If you're going to be in the work You've got to make decisions. And you need to have a track record of consistently making the right decisions.
1: You don't want to make a decision
0: and then 20 people get stranded in the flood waters. And, since I don't know how much to believe the weatherman or the news media, and said 90% of the reports you get are exaggerated. So I'm not even sure how much to believe people in the church if I call them and say, well, what's the weather look like over there? Because 90% of the reports you get are going to be exaggerated. Yeah, there's a lot of water on this one. What about North Houston Ross? I, I don't know. Well, if you want to be a good scout, you might want to find out. <laughs> When General Lee was making decisions in the Civil War, he relied primarily on two guys. Jeb Stewart and Stonewall Jackson. Because if either one of those men said the enemy has five to 8,000 troops, he knew that was pretty accurate. Some other guys, he would ask them, how hey, many of the enemy are out there? Oh, there's 35,000. <laughs> he'd send Jeb Stewart. I need you to ride over there and find out. I heard there's 35,000 of them camped over there. They need you to ride over there and find out. So Jeb Stewart would take the cavalry and he'd go over there. He'd find out. He'd come back. It's a, general, there's not 35,000, there's about 12,000. Now General Lee knew what to do. Your decisions are only as good as the information you get. And that's one thing, hard thing about somebody comes into the pastor's office and they're going to tell you what problem's going on and what do they need to do about it. What you tell them to do is only as good as the information they give you about the problem. If they exaggerate everything, make everything sound worse than it really is, you're going to probably give them an extreme solution. Which is usually why they're doing all that exaggeration. They're wanting you to give them an extreme solution because their solution that they want to hear is usually Leave the bug. I wouldn't put up with that. Put him in the road. And it just might be that she's the problem. Unless you get better information. Never try to make a decision based on unreliable sources of information. It will get you into trouble. Making decisions when it comes to missions. We have an orphanage in Nigeria. At least we got a building. A piece of property. We don't have any orphans yet. The country is closed. To all Americans because of COVID. So I'm still making decisions even though the country's closed. I don't hardly ever mention them in the church just because I don't want people worrying about it all. But Brother Luke Getty, he called he texted me this past week, and he had found a bunch of bunk beds that he thought could be bought real reasonable. Dr. Otimla had said he'd pay for them if he wanted to get them and ship them over there. So oh, Luke, he's all excited about it. He's ready to get them. Come help him. Here's I'm thinking, there's more to it than finding a good deal over here. You got to get a container. You got to ship it. You got to pay for shipping it. You got to get it through Customs. You got to get it through customs in the country that has more con artists than any country in the world. That's right. And I'm, in my mind, I'm seeing all these reasons why this could go bad. But I don't want to dampen Brother Luke's spirit and his enthusiasm. So I just pray and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? In my heart, I'm thinking, don't buy the bunk beds, wait till you get over there. Get them to build them. Some carpenter over there will be real happy to have that job. Now, is it going to be as nice as all metal bed frames? It'll be nice enough. That's right. But I'm going to support Brother Luke. If he wants to buy them, and he wants to get a container, and he wants to ship them, and he wants to go through it, I look at it like this. Even if it all goes crazy, he's going to learn a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about making decisions for the work.
1: Now, if I prayed about it and the Holy Ghost
0: just said, no, on the bunk beds, I had no problem sending him a message saying, no, Brother Luke, we're not going to, no, don't do that. We're not going to. I'd have no problem. But I didn't get that voice from heaven, so I'm just kind of rolling with it, even though I've got my reservations. It's not always in concrete, this decision making. For the work. It's just not as simple as. Yeah well you know. Run this, this 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 this. So do this. No it's not that simple. Because it's a spiritual work. It's not just a physical work. It's a spiritual work. And our job. Is to get these men sent to the field by the church and by the Holy Ghost. The church can pray for them, fast for them, give for them and to them, turn them loose, let them go do the work, and don't tell them how to do every little thing. If they're making a blunder, tell them. But in as a general, it's like raising children. The more you tell them how to do everything, the more they get immune to your voice. Have some of y'all figured that out yet? That mama that said, don't do this, don't do this. Don't do this. It's just, you know, their eardrums are just vibrating all the time. And they just get where they don't even listen. To be truthful, I would do the same thing. If somebody talks to me all the time, it trips a breaker. And I just zone out. And I'm suddenly happy. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just talking, 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 and they think I'm really enjoying it because now I'm smiling. (laughs) I'm in the twilight zone. (laughs) I can't handle a barrage of talking. Man. I grew up kind of quiet. Give me half a chance, I'll still be quiet. I go off to a meeting. Everybody's like, preacher, come over here and sit with us. Sorry, right, I'm already here. I don't want to get up and move. I'm too old. <laughs> they want me to come sit at their table so I can listen to them. Talk. Yeah. <laughs> Hell hath no judgment worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> so you get sent by the Holy Ghost for with the power of God for transacting business for the Lord and the work. Preaching, Mark sixteen, fifteen. Teaching, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Baptizing, Matthew 28, 19. Being a witness, Acts 1, 8. Being a witness is telling the truth. Telling, giving the facts. Not hearsay, not opinions. The facts. It is so hard to get people to give you the facts of their problem. Brother Attorney is shaking his head. I bet it's the same way in his profession. You just can't get them to give you the facts. They've got to color the facts with their opinions. And distort the facts. So you will be sympathetic towards them. Yeah, it's the same way in my office. Everybody wants me to be sympathetic towards them. Just give me the facts. Give me an opportunity to either be sympathetic with you or tell you what an idiot you are. Just give me the facts. If you need sympathy, I'll be happy to give it to you. If you need to be called an idiot, I'm willing. (laughs) Being a witness is telling the facts, furnishing evidence to back up the facts you're telling. Well, if we're going to go tell the world that Jesus saves, we've got to give them some evidence. Right. Yes, sir. Sometimes that comes from personal experience. Let me tell you how he saved me. Yeah. They're sent by the church, they're sent by the Holy Ghost, and in John 20, verse 21, they were sent by Jesus Christ himself. As the Father has sent me, even so send I you. Matthew 28, 19, go. Mark 16, 15, go. That is the sin, and we're out of time. Father, pray you bless the class. Help us, Father, to keep missions at the forefront. Amen. And the Holy Ghost with the liberty to speak. Help us to listen and do what he says. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Short break. We'll have the other class. My goal is to get you out of here by about 8.30, 8.40 tonight.